Our scripture comes from Acts this morning. We're going to start a little bit before the words that are appearing on the slides. I added a couple of verses prior to that. So we'll catch up to what you see on the screen. We find Paul has gone, he's been traveling with Silas and Timothy, two of the other apostles, and Paul has left them to go to Athens, and he is waiting for them to arrive there, and this is what happens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons And also in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of all the places where they would live so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And we'll end right there. Join me in a prayer. As we finish our series on playfulness today, O God, may you bless us by speaking to us. Speak to us as you always do. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our hearts that we might receive what you have to say. Open our hands that we might serve as we go out into the world. Speak to us. Lift us in these moments, we pray. Amen. Have you ever been spiritually moved? You know, had one of those experiences where time seems to stand still? You almost feel like you're beside yourself and an experience where you are starkly reminded that you are part of something much, much greater than yourself. Ever had a moment like that? I have a number of things that I think could go on that list, but the one that comes to mind is something that happened to me and my wife. I may have shared it before. I'm getting to where I can't remember what I've told you, what I haven't. We were on a trip. We were going to Colorado, and we were dating at the time, and this was our first big trip, you know, 
do I really trust this person kind of, okay, let's try it kind of trip. And on the way there, we passed through a little town called Clayton, New Mexico. Those of you in Colorado may know of the place. Clayton, New Mexico. And the day, that particular day was really hot and it was a uniquely humid day. The air was stagnant and dense and thick. I mean like walking through water thick, at least it felt like that. And we get onto the west side of Clayton, New Mexico, where they have the fields of livestock that are being led to slaughter. Fields and fields, cows as far as the eye can see. And we enter that space and this smell starts to come into the car. Now, I've been around that stuff before, but I have never quite encountered the pungent kind of strong, highly offensive smell that we were now getting in the car. And my wife, my future wife, looked at me and she says, what is that? What is that smell? Oh my God, I can't breathe. I can't, I can't breathe. I can't breathe, right? It was that strong. And so that's when I get the bright idea of rolling down the window, you know, to let the bad smell out of the car. <laughs> well, you thought we had something bad before that. When I rolled that window down, boy, it was a full-on blitz of bad. Why'd you roll the window? Why did you roll? <coughs> my eyes, my eyes, I can't see. What part of hell have we just encountered? This was not the transcendent moment that I'm talking about. We could not get out of there fast enough. For the rest of that trip, we could not get rid of the smell out of the car or out of our nasal passages until, that is, we got to where we were going. We pulled up into the driveway onto the side of the mountain of the place where we were staying, and I immediately walked out to the edge, looked down. Could not be more different. The Rio Grande was rolling, roaring beneath me. The aspens were rustling in the gentle breeze. The grand mountains of the Continental Divide stood there staring me in the face, time stood still, and the air, the air was clean and full of life. It was as if I was smelling God, breathing in the very presence of God. Now, you don't have to go to the mountains, or hopefully you don't have to experience such extreme conditions as that to have a transcendent moment, quite often I will tell you, I feel something similar when I see you as we gather for worship. When I look out at you, quite often I feel a sense of joy that I feel nowhere else. When I look out at you, I often see Christ looking at you reminds me that we are in fact part of something much greater than ourselves. In the Old Testament, when 
someone would have an experience like that, a transcendent moment where time stood still, an encounter with God, they would often build an altar as a sign of what had happened there. In the story of Noah, when the floods receded and the waters went down and finally Noah stepped out onto land for the very first time, in the first uh, time, as long as he can remember, it was a transcendent moment. And the first thing he did, he built an altar. When Jacob and Esau, two brothers who had a big falling out and stopped speaking to one another for a long period of time. They didn't see each other for a long period of time. And when God finally brought them back together in what is often heralded as one of the most powerful stories of reconciliation in all of Scripture, the first thing Jacob did in that transcendent moment, he built an altar. When the people were wandering in the wilderness after leaving Egypt, Moses would often erect a tent and an altar, and he would go into that space to experience transcendence, and he would come out and report to the people what he believed God told him in those moments. Peter wanted to do the same thing when he and the other disciples walked up the mountain with Jesus. As the story goes, they went up the mountain, and Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became a dazzling white. Peter said, let's build three tents. One for you, Elijah and Moses. In other words, this is a transcendent moment. It feels as if time is standing still, like we're part of something much greater than ourselves. Let's mark it. Seems as if all of us have this innate desire to be part of something much greater than ourselves, to experience those moments where time Stand still. It's that very thing that Paul picks up on when he visits Athens. The story tells us, Luke tells us in Acts, that when he gets there, he was deeply distressed because the city was filled with idols. Now, that's an understatement. Ancient Athens was literally a wasteland of idols and shrines and altars and temples. They had one to Zeus and Apollos and Diana and Ares and you name it, they had it. They even had an altar dedicated to an unknown God just to make sure they covered all their bases. Paul went in there and As one pastor puts it, the most disturbing thing to a Jewish Christian like Paul is idolatry. For him to stand in the middle of Athens was literally to stand in the face of a complete violation of the first and second commandments, no other gods before me, no graven images. So yeah, he was a little bothered. I can't help but think that he might have felt a little like my wife and I when we were driving through Clayton, New Mexico. He wanted to get out of there as quick as he could. But you know what? That's not what he did. He didn't break and run. Instead, he somehow found a way to see the beauty in the very thing that was otherwise to him highly disturbing. Instead of becoming 
harsh and critical of them, he instead remained playful and engaged with them. I see that you are religious in every way, he said. Somehow he was able to look past the idolatry of the city and see the need of the Athenians, a need that we all share. I see that you search for God, even grope for God, that you might find God. Paul, in his playfulness, was able to connect with the Athenians by inviting them to learn of the God he had come to know in Jesus Christ. I know the name of the God you search for. I know his name, he says. He's able to talk like that because Paul practiced transcendence in his own life. What I mean by that is, wherever he went, he looked for what God might be up to there. Whoever he met, he looked for what God might reveal in this new relationship. Each moment he entered, he entered it as if time might stand still right at this very second, as if he might encounter the living God right here and now. He practiced transcendence. And it gave him a more playful faith, a more playful life. And the world we live in is not unlike ancient Athens so many years ago. We live in a world filled with idols. Perhaps one difference is that the idols and the idolatry we face is, might not be as abundantly clear. It takes a little while to learn what it is, but it is certainly there. The idolatry we face may not be graven images or bronze sculptures or things that are vis visible and tangible. The idolatry I believe we face is the idolatry of information. We seek search for, long for the right information. I have the right information on that particular subject. Oh, you do? Well, I've got a source over here that says this. Well, I've got a statistic that proves your position wrong and discredits what you just said. Well, I've got the right information on that. Well, I have the right information on this. Well, my position on that is the right position, and any other position is therefore by default wrong. I'm right, and you're wrong, and here's why I'm right, and here's why you're wrong, and we wear our information and our positions on our chest like badges of honor just in the happen chance that we might be able to lord it over someone else. We want the right information so that we might prove someone else wrong. We, it's our idolatry and it's killing us. It's killing us. How can we change that? How can we look at ourselves differently? How can we perhaps view ourselves and approach this world a little bit more like Paul approached the world in Athens? 
Part of the answer, I think, is to become a little more playful, believe it or not. Playfulness can be a very powerful thing. Throughout this series, we've been trying to lift up certain practices that we might take into our life to help us become less influenced influenced by our own self-righteous judgment so that we might become more open to the Lord of the dance. We started off by saying, look at who you are, the real you. Who is the real you? The one God loves more fully than you will ever know. Where's that person? Let that person come out of hiding. Practice realness. Then we said, get curious about your life in the same way that a kid gets curious about a mustard seed and what a mustard seed might grow into. Become curious about your own life. Be insatiably curious about what God might be doing next in your life. Practice curiosity. Then we talked about boundlessness. Practice boundlessness, we said. What barriers do you face that deep down you know really shouldn't be there? Then we talked about slowness, trying to live life at the right speed rather than at full speed. And then we opened our door. Practice hospitality, we said. We opened our door. We opened our door to God first so that we might open our door to one another. If you're not catching what we've been trying to do through these past weeks, it's playfulness is not about some new program or some new activity. Playfulness is a posture. It's a way of viewing and being in the world, a way that helps open you up to the movement of the Spirit of God in your life and the life around you. It's a posture. Paul was able to look past the idols of Athens and then to the need of the Athenians because he had a playful faith. And openness to God. He knew who he was. And he let that person out in the world. He knew who he was. He he became insatiably curious about what God was doing next in his own life and and the life around him. He was boundless. There was nowhere he was unwilling to go. He tried to live life at the right speed. He opened his door. He experienced moments where time seemed to stand still because he looked for them everywhere. He practiced transcendence. May you do the same more and more. May you experience the playful presence of Jesus Christ our Lord coming alive in your heart and in your life more and more. May the fury of this world lose some of its grip on you. 
may you find yourself becoming a little more playful, a little more whole. Our world desperately needs it. Amen.